This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I have the very gifted, talented, humble, and friendly uh, David Achata joining me. David, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Great introduction. So so (laughs) talented and humble. You are so talented, so (laughs) humble. You are in charge of Saturate's coaching arm. Uh, which is a, a big piece of what we we do as an organization. We not only produce resources and training, but we actually come alongside leaders through coaching. And uh, this month at Saturate, we're actually focusing on coaching, trying to get the word out about how it works, uh, the powerfulness of it in uh, leadership teams, and for leaders who are even trying to to begin this sort of movement of making disciples who make disciples in their context. And so we thought it'd just be really cool to have you on and, and talk about coaching. And then uh, later we'll even have you coach me because that's probably one of the best ways to hear about it is to either experience it or watch it on somebody else. So yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. What is Saturate Coaching? How does it work? Just to give everyone a, a frame of reference. Yeah, so the, the primary context that we provide coaching is um, in our cohorts. And um, the reason we coach in groups of people is because it creates a shared learning environment where you may have an issue that you're bringing to the table. And even though I may not be struggling with that issue, or that may not be the question I have, I'll probably come to the place where I need to know about that at some point. So this models what it looks like to create a neutral environment, to create uh, shared learning experiences. We had a friend out in uh, Phoenix who said something really great. She said, we've learned that to be a movement, we have to be a neutral convener of people. Hmm. And a coaching cohort environment is in a way a neutral convening of people. And when we can create an environment like that, we can really see some amazing things get created. So that's the, the primary context in which we do it. Based on you know um, how far you are on your journey, our year one process is really about learning how to be a gospel-centered, gospel-motivated leader. And then also how to lead and multiply a gospel-centered culture. And at a, at a micro level, that's the missional community. So our first year process is about that. And our second year is about some systems and structures required to really help a decentralized church function well. We also do some kind of uh, informal coaching with transitioning churches, but the primary coaching environment that we really focus on are these coaching uh, cohorts. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And and so if you want to be coached, you, you get put in one of these cohorts. Are they filled with people, you know, like in your city or all over the, like, how does, how does that work? And are, is there people, you know, experts that are telling us what to do or, or how, how does that actually get played out in the life of a leader? The answer to that is it's some of all of that. Ideally, 
you could be in a cohort with people in your same church who are journeying together. Hmm. Another thing that happens sometimes is you'll be coached along with people in the same time zone um, who are maybe in our, in the same region. Hmm. And there are other examples of things that like we have one cohort right now where we've got a guy that's in Japan and because the time zone difference, he's coaching with one of our coaches, Jordan Elder, who's in the central time zone. Wow. So those guys are doing it super early in the morning. He's <laughs> doing it at night. Uh, the guy in Japan's doing it at night. <clears throat> so people are really spread out, but there are a number of different types of things that can happen hmm. in these cohorts. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways that it can happen. Hmm. What's rewarding about it for you as you oversee this get played out? I'm the kind of guy that likes to create a system and then release it and let other people do it. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun when we were developing this process when Zach Scrow was part of the team to have a big hand in helping with some of that and now to see the process going and other people really executing it. So it's rewarding to see the process working on its own. Hmm. But I think another thing that's rewarding is, you know, the thing about coaching is that you know, the primary tools that a coach uses is, is a lot about raising awareness and it's a lot about reflecting on that awareness and then coming up with relevant actions. Hmm. And I think what's rewarding to me about that is it really just so many people come alive and get excited that they actually already have a lot of the knowledge and a lot of the resources to carry out the things they thought they couldn't. Hmm. And so to create an environment where people learn to access that. Hmm. Ultimately, what we would say is that's what it that's what it looks like to depend on the Holy Spirit, to listen to the teacher that's already inside of you. And yes, where there's you know lack of knowledge, we, we may bring some of that and some resources. But many times, as you, you I think maybe I've said before on the podcast, you know, our, our issue is not lack of um, information, it's mm-hmm. application. And, and coaching really helps people learn to apply. Well, that just seems very powerful because especially even for me, you know, one of my roles on the team is to try to put as much information out there, it seems like, as possible. Like, try, (laughs) And there's a funny aspect of it where, and sometimes I'll tell the resource team this, is we're kind of trying to write instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Mm -hmm. where people probably know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if we just put the right ingredients in front of them and, and ask them a few questions, you know? And, and I think that's, at least for me, that what's, that's what makes me very excited to be part of this team. Part of this movement is to know that, that we're not just trying to get people to read all the right books or watch all the videos. Uh, and we're not putting all of our eggs in that basket. In fact, it's, it's probably a, a few of the eggs. Uh, if we really want to see transformation happen, we kind of need to teach people how to access the Holy spirit within them and listen to what God is calling them to do, because they probably within the DNA of every disciple, we, we know how to be missionaries where we live. We know how to listen to the truth and how to run away from the devil. Probably. Um, Would you agree with that? (laughs) Yeah. I I would say probably any, any person who has the spirit of God um, can sense like you said, how to listen to the spirit and how to run, <laughs> run, run from the devil. <laughs> but that's probably the trick here with our conversation with coaching is that there are a million different ways to do that. Hmm. It's like that saying, you just don't know what you don't know. 
mm-hmm. and to have somebody sit there with you and help you really question your beliefs, help you question mm-hmm. what you think you know and learn and learn how to apply that in new ways. Now that's what creates movement. And it's interesting that we've kind of stumbled on this conversation about movement because uh, years ago, I read Erwin McManus's book called um, An Unstoppable Force. Yeah. Did you read that? <laughs> I did. Oh, it was so impacting to me. And I still refer to it. I mean, it was so, so good. Huge. Yeah. And one thing that he said there, he had a section, a section on movements and institutions. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, an institution exists to preserve a culture. Hmm. And he said, movement actually creates culture. Hmm. And he said, institutions were movements at one time. But what happened was when the founders died off, then the people who came after them, they turned up the heat, they turned up the rules to try to keep people moving in the direction that the movement once moved. And Hmm. it it becomes a rule and it becomes boundaries that people have to keep to be like what they were at one time. Hmm. Whereas a movement exists actually by, by nature is culture creating. It's very diverse. It's going all kinds of directions. So I find that when we, again coming back to what our friend in Phoenix said is if you if you're going to see movement you have to learn the skill to convene people call the best out of them give them mm-hmm. some principles some rails to run on and just let them go do it you can't control that and I think mm-hmm. that's really I think a beautiful reflection of of what God is like I mean a missionary God who says you know what I'm not going to stay behind the throne I'm not going to stay stay in heaven I'm just going to go into this culture. I'm going to let things unfold. It's not going to be beautiful and and pretty and easy, but it's going to create something and I'm going to do it. And so I I think it's a beautiful picture of what God is like when we think about movements for his institutions. Right. And then coaching is a huge piece in that. It is. Yep. Yeah. Because coaching is actually where you don't hand people the law or the rules or the manual. It's where you you kind of begin to trust that if people are given the space, the time, and kind of the nudging to ask the spirit, we will come up with the solutions or even the commands that Jesus is calling us to live, right? You're right. It is it is partly about coming up with the solutions, the answers, the direction to go. Yes. But again, you know, you've heard me say this and I'll just keep harping on it. Really great coaching is about personal transformation. Hmm. it's like gospel identity. It's like we won't open our home to outsiders unless we realize that we were once outsiders mm-hmm. and, and Christ brought us in. The new creation leads to the new actions. Hmm. And the same is true with this coaching conversation is that when we can help people see the transforming uh, power of the Holy Spirit is still working and unfolding in them, hmm. then they will come up with new solutions it's like that definition of insanity. I, maybe was it Albert Einstein? Maybe you know, it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You know, <laughs> I I think so many people think, oh, like I'm just going to try this other plan, this other study, or whatever. Right, it just doesn't work over and over mm-hmm. and over again for for a lot of people. Well, it's the same thing, trying to get different results. And I think if we're going to get different results, we have to access a different kind of learning. And I, and I think coaching mm-hmm. provides a lot of that. Well, uh, I'm ready to be transformed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when, when we were uh, texting about this episode, we thought it'd be a cool idea if uh, I got coached by you uh, just to, to give people a taste of that coaching experience mm-hmm. because it can seem so 
so strange unless you hear it or, or see it. And so, yeah, we actually, this is totally unscripted. It's unplanned. You have no idea what I need to be coached on or anything like that. So I think we should just jump in and, yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, so before I ask you what you want to um, take away from our time, um, maybe something I can just throw in here for our listeners is in a, in a cohort environment, what we're going to do together, it works kind of in a group format where a few people will get coached in a uh, hour and a half time frame. So what I'm going to do with Brad about what we're going to do together for our listeners, imagine multiple people listening in on this and imagine learning from this. And then actually it gets bumped to you like, Hey, what'd you take away? What is it you hmm. want to process based on, you know, perhaps our conversation, but it's just the two of us. So we're going to go for it one-on-one. So Brad, um, oh, and by the way, how much time do we have Brad to work through this? Uh, I think we have about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, great. Yeah. A great coaching session can happen in 10, uh, but it could go sometimes <laughs> as long as an hour. So I hope, I hope you don't bring anything too complicated, <laughs> you know, to the table. Um, so Brad, tell me a little bit about what you'd like to uh, take away from our few minutes together. Yeah, that's great. So I've been thinking about uh, my own missional community were like three weeks in. And so a lot to celebrate, like there's new relationships, new commitment to it. There's been a few missed opportunities to kind of like press in with either kind of like low level conflict or anything like that. But overall, it's been pretty good. And I, I took a few minutes uh, knowing I'd have this call and just try to pray and think through what's really important. Perhaps the biggest thing that my family is facing with this week as we step into leading a missional community is just the schedule of everything. So we're balancing multiple jobs and work, uh, travel, taking care of our kids, doing our kids' activities, uh, having a role in relationships outside of the missional community, um, and then just trying to like fit it all together. So that life isn't just a, a series of of calendar appointments, you know, mm-hmm. trying to think through how can we live like a family of missionary servants. So I would say that's at least that's the big category. I, I haven't been able to like pinpoint it mm-hmm. to like some cool sentence problem. But <laughs> yeah. So you said um, you said a whole lot there, but I hear a couple things. I, I hear something about like a busy schedule how to prioritize. And then you mentioned some things about your family. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me, you know, a little bit more about what it is you really think you're after from our time. Yeah. So um, I think with family, we have little kids. So we wake up every day pretty exhausted. And then our tendency is to just fill our nights and our days with appointments with people or spending time or, or, or be welcoming, which we want to do. And then, so then I guess the tension is just like, how do we, how do we prioritize our own care, but also be faithful to like what God's calling us to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that gives any more, but, but like my, my wife is a gifted uh, counselor shepherd. Um, she really helps people, especially ladies uh, kind of understand and process what God is doing in their past and in their present. And so she can fill up her schedule with that and then have not much left to give. I can fill up my schedule with meeting and hang out with people, not have much left to give to our own kids. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Uh, those are kind of, those are the stress points I would say right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, when you talk about prioritization, I mean, to me, that sounds like a potentially a key word. Would, would you agree or is there something different to focus on? Yeah, I think that that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think okay. we'd like uh prioritization or just, yeah, like to know that what we're choosing and, and to have maybe pre-decided what we're choosing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess if that's prioritization, like, yeah, yeah we've already decided this is a priority. So this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you had that prioritization that you're talking about, um, where you knew exactly what to focus on as a family, as individuals, um, what do you think that would do for you? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I think it would do a lot like um there'd be less logistics managing day by like hour by hour you know like text message (laughs) prioritization um Mm -hmm. i feel like too like big takeaway would just that we would be pouring into people and things that like really matter i think if we had that prioritization we would we would walk the long walk with like a handful of people, but that we would just know that we're being faithful instead of maybe it's a uh, shotgunning it, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I think well, a feeling of contentment and trust would be there. Yeah. So you, you talked about contentment, <clears throat> you talked about focusing on a few people, but then you also used um, kind of an interesting metaphor. You said shotgunning it. Mm. Tell, tell me a little bit more about why you use that metaphor. Uh, I guess it just kind of, yeah, it reminds me of some sort of like last stand hysteric Western people just <laughs> shooting a shotgun all over the place. Just like, hey, maybe we'll get one, you know, kind of like the end of Youngbloods. Uh, 80s reference for anybody out there. And I would say that that's, that is where my wife and I go when we are out of control, like we don't know what God wants us to do. We just jump into that mode. So I think that's why, I guess that's the opposite or that's, that's kind of how it might feel this week. Actually, Hmm. that's what it feels like. Yeah. What are some of the reasons, Brad, that you and your wife tend to go to that shotgun mode? I think for me, I just, I'm a very driven person, um, excitable person, and I also just want to see a lot of stuff happen, you know, and I, and I kind of think that in many ways I'm a, I'm a savior of some sort. And so I think problem props up or opportunity much more often. It's like actually for my wife and I, it's an opportunity. Oh, this person is pressing in. This person asks some sort of question about God or they seem available. Let's like, let's go for that. But then there's like 20 people that are that have that same response. And so we just say, oh, we're just going for all of that, mm-hmm. all of it right now. So I think why we're just not very patient, um, <laughs> or at least I'm not, don't want to throw my wife under the bus. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Well, you use the word, Brad, um, opportunity. Like you see an opportunity that you want to go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, I can imagine even just in this role, facilitating this podcast, my goodness, there's like thousands and thousands of people who listen to your voice every week. So you, you might get even a few more opportunities than the average person because even just because of that alone. Um, but when you, we zero back down to what you were talking about uh, originally, 
mm-hmm. about um, prioritization and going deep with a view. What do you see an opportunity, to use your own words, what do you see an opportunity is that the Spirit might have for you right now in this season of, say, the next few weeks? Like what's one opportunity? Yeah, well, yeah, or, one or a few opportunities that you see when you think about really focusing down and, and priorita- uh, prioritizing. Yeah, that's such a good question because I think for the first time I've like, yeah, even just the one or two weeks, it's like, oh, yeah, not like the next 20 years. <laughs> that's right. Mm. One is uh, there's we just have uh, four other adults in our missional community. Don't really know them. Some of them are are not going through incredible difficult challenges or anything like that, but just have have stuff going on in their life. And, and I think building a relationship with them uh, is one huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, also, big opportunity is to ask them to care for us and things that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one seems the most rewarding. Mm. Yeah. And then um, a couple up other opportunities is that get me excited at least more than normal is uh, we have a guy's night and a ladies night with people in our neighborhood. So the guys are having like homemade beer and, <laughs> and brats on one night. And then the next week the ladies are having a night. And so at least just for me personally, it's like the guy's night is seems like a a pretty sweet opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Yeah. With um, my own family, uh, we, we kind of just made this decision for my daughter not to go to these early morning Spanish classes that she's been in for a long time mm-hmm. uh, since the beginning of the school year, which actually gives our family just like tons of space in the morning, which is actually a pretty sweet opportunity. It's not hectic anymore. You know, we're in week two of that, and I've mostly just been thinking of it in terms of, oh, I can drink more coffee before I have to do school <laughs> drop off. So I think that's actually that's just like a space that's like a priority in terms or opportunity to pour into my kids and have fun. Yeah, um, before the day even starts. Yeah, what's it look like for you to um, pour into your kids in that that new time slice that's opened up? Um, with that Mm. coffee in hand, (laughs) (laughs) what's it look like to really use that opportunity? Hmm. That's a good direction. Um, yeah, I think that, um, like not just getting my kids dressed and fed, but I bet, yeah, like reading a story with them or building some Legos. Uh, they're really into building forts right now and, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's also just an element of like letting go of the task mindset mm-hmm. in that time, you know. Yeah. It's probably about not doing stuff as much as it is doing stuff, you know. What do you mean? I'd say most of my mode in the the morning like that or then at bedtime is just brush your teeth. Okay, put on your shoes. All right. Put your clothes on, change those shoes, put on different shoes, get your lunch ready. Like that's kind of the the leadership that I exert, which is mm-hmm. saying that out loud is is pretty unfun for them. And so <laughs> I think it might be just more about realizing, man, we've got like 40 minutes extra. You know, mm-hmm. they're waking up at 630 no matter what. I'm waking up at 530 no matter what. Mm-hmm. We have this extra time. We could just like all chill. Hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah. So 
are you okay if I lead you to just play a little game real quick? Yeah. Okay. I did this the other day with my dad. Um, I was asking him to give us, give me one sentence, one, one word that describes each kid, hmm. each of his kids. And it was really interesting to hear what he said. So I want to invite you, if you're okay with it, to um, one word that describes where you're at with your kids in that morning time frame. Hmm. And then one word that describes where you want to be. Hmm. And, and also I want to, us to circle back in a second to what you said earlier about stewarding the, the opportunities of people in your missional community, because you brought that up. But since we're on this subject of your kids in this time frame, mm-hmm. what, what's the word that comes to mind that you would use to describe where you're at currently? Hmm. Just one word. Yeah. Or two, three, super, <laughs> super short. At this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would say my current mind frame is get to work. That's okay. my that's okay. my mind frame, like, or get through it. Yeah. Like, I even think on my ideal week, which is a little thing I've made up, I think I call it breakfast slash chaos. <laughs> wow. Which is kind of a <laughs> pessimistic view, <laughs> especially for me. I'm kind of like an optimist, but mm. yeah, that's exactly, I just looked at it. That's exactly what it says. Okay. So, so get to work, breakfast chaos. Now, come up with uh, a word or, or a sh- a, just a group of, of words that describes where you'd like to be, let's say, in two to three months. Hmm. That's good. I think I would say, I mean, as soon as you asked that, the word that popped in my head was joy, hmm. joy and, and peace. So I guess I won't add more, more words because that's the game. <laughs> Joy, yeah, joy and peace. Joy That's and peace. great. Yeah, yeah. And if we had a longer amount of time, I, I'd probably have have you unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and maybe I'll just ask you permission. Would you rather just dwell here and unpack this a bit, uh, just a little bit more, or do you think it's important to also go back to the earlier piece with with the relationships in your missional community? Yeah, I think unpacking this would probably be would be good. Yeah, I'm happy to keep going down this path. That's, I mean, okay. It feels like that's the spirit's work and I think it impacts it all. Mm-hmm. I think having joy and peace with my children and my wife in the morning mm-hmm. would have a dramatic impact on my family's capacity to spend time with other people, you know? Really? Yeah. How do you see it would affect your capacity to spend with other people? Um, I think that my family would feel less rushed and hurried. I think my kids would feel more safe and so the the opportunities to hang out with other people would be less intense i think too i'd just be engaging those things from a place of rest as a family instead of engaging things from a place of like uh chaos so Hmm. yeah Hmm. i think it'd have a huge impact on that so you use these two words joy and peace Mm mm-hmm when you say those words, describe to me a little bit about what your your options or your course of action might look like if you were going to make that journey toward that time frame in the morning that's a time of joy and peace. Like what would it look like to get there? Yeah, like what do you see needs to happen to get there? And, and then maybe even hmm. what do you imagine that time would look like? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think I'd imagine it like 
coffee in hand, music playing. And then I think it'd probably look like me on the floor with my kids instead Mm of in a chair Mm -hmm. or on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are, those are some pictures at least. Mm -hmm. What are you doing on the floor? Probably like playing or wrestling or or just being, yeah, present, Mm -hmm. tickle fights. (laughs) Uh, I think I also see myself just like not dressed and ready for the day yet, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you hear yourself describing some of this, tell me what, what are some of the feelings and convictions that are perhaps rising up inside of you? Uh, I think some of my feelings are just like, one is, David, this is so good. Um, (laughs) I think I just, I think a feeling I hear or something I hear is just, yeah, the father saying like, this is what it's all about, you know, like God, our father um, and his, his joy and his pleasure with me and just like, man, if you did this, you could hear my voice, mm-hmm. even as you love your kids. Mm. Yeah. And then I also feel like, man, that's so simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So those are probably the two things that I just, in my heart, I'm, I'm hearing. It's just like, wow, that's, that's like so, that's such a simple shift. Mm-hmm. But I can see instantly like deep ramifications, mm-hmm. just walking with God, walking in my family. Yeah. yeah. So you, you started real big, <laughs> like man, priorities, people, <laughs> opportunities, family, shotgun, you know, <laughs> and somehow we've really zeroed in just on you sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. kids, you know, music, coffee. So describe to me the practical uh, steps that you need to take here in the next week to get mm-hmm. you and your family on the right road and, and having the space of joy and peace. Yeah. I mean, I think some practical steps is, yeah, talk about this with Mirella. I think there's some, probably some repentance there of just like, I've kind of been a jerk or taskmaster. Mm-hmm. I think just super practical too is probably waiting to get ready for the day until later Hmm. just within my own personality i like to get up get dressed then i'm just sitting around like when do i get to go to work when do i get to go to work Hmm. and so i think there's there's something that's health like there's heart change that needs to happen there Mm -hmm. but also which probably pursue with my dna group but then there's also just a practical thing that I think would give space for that of like, just don't get ready right out the gate. And yeah, I kind of refuse technology for a while. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big piece. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pieces to this and, and you, <laughs> you've laid out a couple of them already. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we kind of come to a close with this super short coaching conversation, I'd love to hear from you what's been a, a big takeaway that is really sticking with you from this conversation. And, and then maybe just one more time for sake of uh, solidifying in your mind, your, your course of action, you know, maybe as a result of that takeaway, how, how would you uh, describe really what you're going to be doing here in the next couple of days? Yeah. 
So I think my main takeaway from all of this is uh, get on the floor with my kids. Mm-hmm. And then the practical steps are, I think, telling my wife that's what I'm going to do, asking her to hold me accountable to it. Mm-hmm. I think the other big practical step is is uh, trying to start that new habit by getting on the floor with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if I had to come up with a cool kind of like theological statement or takeaway, it'd be like (laughs) the practice of the presence. But I think function (laughs) like the practical, like really simple next step is just getting on the floor with my kids and, and that, that that's getting to work, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me walk this through with you. Is it okay if just a minute we reflect a little bit on what just happened? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do that. So I want to take off my coach hat and I want to put on my my friend and mentor hat. And this this might happen if we were in a cohort together. Mm. Just for me to make a couple observations and us to, to really process together. So mm. our, our quote unquote official coaching session is done. But just some observations are... Brad, this is the incarnation you're describing. Mm, yeah. You're, you're describing a dad who doesn't just sit on the couch. Mm-hmm. You're describing a dad who leaves his place of comfort and he actually becomes a child. Mm. <laughs> he becomes a little mm. baby and he gets down in, in a low place. He bows low to love on his kids. Mm. And this, as you know, multiplies into whatever relationships and whatever culture you might affect or touch. Hmm. Had you thought of it like that before? That it's the incarnation? Yeah. No, no, (laughs) no, I had not thought about it like that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. I was thinking as I was listening to you process and, you know, just the implications of this for your own life as a husband, a missional community leader, a pastor, mm. you know, it's one, one thing I share with people all the time is what you do in the beginning phases, whether it's a child, whether it's a DNA group, whether it's a missional community or a church, what you do when things are small is what will multiply. And I just want to affirm, man, what you came up with. Like Jeff uh, told me one time when my wife and I were having some issues, he said, Hey, work on your marriage. It's the most important preparation you could ever do for church planting. Mm. And, and we did. And I'm so glad that, that we, we listened. It was amazing um, wisdom that, that he gave to me. So mm. just to affirm what you're taking away here is super, super, super important. Mm. You know, when, when you hear me reflect on it, you know, what does this do in you as you just come away from a simple conversation and, hey, join peace. We need more of that. We're going to get on the floor. <laughs> But yeah, you hear me reflect. What does that do in you when you hear me reflect on it? Um, I think it just, yeah, it makes me just humbled to experience God's love. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like, oh, man, I just got to experience God's love for my life. And that I hear like, yeah, that'll pay a lot of dividends in all these other places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and the dividends will be just like understanding more God's love mm. uh, and peace and, and joy in my own life. And and that that's what it'll look like. It's not just like an idea. It's like a, it's an experience as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, yes. and early on, we touched on how the, the tools that a coach uses 
are a lot of awareness raising mm-hmm. and then reflecting on that and then coming up with some action steps to move forward based on the goals that you said you, you wanted to, to go after. Mm-hmm. All I did in this conversation was just raise some awareness um, mm-hmm. to really get some clarity on what it is you were trying to get after. And the Holy Spirit guided you to zero in ultimately on your kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's all kinds of interesting things that, that probably will be affected by that. But it's just interesting that it zeroed in on something so simple. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to start saying shotgun, all these <laughs> opportunities? And we ended with, you know, get on the floor with your kids. Yeah. I mean, I really thought like we'd make some sort of like daily plan or something or some sort of checklist of like whether or not we should meet with people. You know, I like, you know, I'm a leader. I like have thought of like, oh, here are some solutions. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was just like really surprised, but probably about like halfway through when we started talking about this, it was just like, wow, this is like the best tech takeaway I could have by far. Wow. Well, and do it yeah. firm. You did, you did get a, a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It, it, yeah. it was just applied in maybe a little different direction than you assumed it might be. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is fun. This is fun to do this together and it is totally unscripted. I'm going to actually turn the podcast into a, another direction in terms of coaching. So now that we have talked a little bit about our coaching cohorts, we've done, gotten to do mm-hmm. some coaching with you and you can experience it and some and people have been able to hear, oh, like that's not too difficult, mm-hmm. which by the way it is. It's just not our habit to sit and listen this long and ask questions. It's right. super hard. <laughs> it is. But um, – <laughs> Where, where else do you think it'd be appropriate for us to go in, in our podcast time together? Yeah. Well, I think for the listener, you know, one of the things you said in the beginning is typically in a, in a coaching cohort with Saturate, uh, a few people will be coached like I just was. And then it'll kind of turn towards everyone else who's been watching. And they'll that's when they'll get some insights and kind of apply it to themselves. And so I think one important thing for listeners is to even just take the coaching conversation that just happened and, and think through and apply it for themselves mm-hmm. and, and see the ramifications there. Yeah. I also think that the other direction to take it might be how can people get plugged into one of these cohorts? So mm-hmm. yeah, cause it's super powerful. Yeah. Well, and the important piece I want to just highlight here, many times we as leaders, we come to these conversations thinking it's going to be so oriented around some competency. Like, oh, I, like I want to learn how to be better at this or be better at that. But like you're an example of what happens many times to leaders when they can just get a chance to be listened to. Ultimately, what your heart's cry was, was I want a healthier relationship with my kids and my wife, and I need a handle on which to grab, get some of that right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we were in an ongoing cohort, we build from this, mm-hmm. you know, we, we come back in a week or two weeks and we hear how to go and where do you want to go next? And what you'll likely say <laughs> is, man, now that I feel like I've got that under control, I think I have a little more capacity to focus on the other people around me. And here's some other questions I'm asking. And that's what real coaching is. It's meeting somebody at their point of pain mm-hmm. and using that point of pain as a step to get them to some other bigger, broader areas. But you just can't get somebody there until you start with what they're actually asking. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of leaders come to our cohorts and they think, oh man, missional communities, oh, church planning, oh, transitioning church culture. Mm-hmm. And you get those, you do get those. Mm-hmm. But it, it, many times what, my, what, what our coaches have said is we have to go backwards with people before we can go forwards. Because mm-hmm. most of the time leaders come wanting quote unquote tools, but really what they need is they need to be heard. They need to be transformed mm-hmm. and they need to own what the Holy Spirit is convicting them of. So that's what you're going to get if you join a cohort and it does build to some of the other, you know, more leadership oriented things, but it starts on a, uh, many times on a personal level. Nice. So the way that people can get into these cohorts, of course, you can go to the website and you can saturate the world.com uh, slash coaching for March. We've actually never done this before. We're discounting individual clients, coaching clients by 30% and groups. So if you're a part of a church team and you want to go through a cohort together, in some of the uh, on some of the subject pieces that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. it's a forty percent discount, and there's an application there. You can fill out, tell us a little bit about your story, what is you're hoping to accomplish with coaching, mm-hmm. and then what we'll do is we'll get you into cohort with people as much as we can who are in a similar place as you and asking similar questions, and you'll meet with a coach um, every every other week for a year. Mm-hmm. At the end of that year, uh, we'll assess along the way, but definitely at the end we assess, you know, how'd you do with accomplishing your goals you want to go next. So that's how people can get in get into a cohort. And all of our coaches are practitioners. They're people who are working out the missional community life in the day and and the day out. Hmm. What many people find, kind of like this coaching conversation today, many people find that it's actually a lot simpler than you think. Yeah. It's a lot less glamorous than you think. It's like I'm I bet you some of your listeners wanted to hear like some real tips and tricks on how to, you know, manage a bunch of relationships in the neighborhood maybe. Yeah. But really what they got was, man, this is a man who wants to be a better dad. Mm-hmm. This, Brad, I must say for you and for our podcast listeners, this is what real coaching is about. It's mm-hmm. about personal transformation. And when a person can be transformed, the things they do are are more healthy yeah. and more sustained. And they're very different and they're much deeper and more confident mm-hmm. because you've been able to be helped in the area that you came to the table with. Yeah, That's my miniature sermon. I don't know if there's <laughs> more, more you want to unpack on that, but I could go all day on this stuff. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I, I so appreciate that. And I think that, yeah, lovely, wonderful explanation. Uh, we also just released a video about coaching cohorts so people can kind of get a good picture of that too. I think I would just kind of encourage people that it is exactly what you're saying is that the opportunity to sit with a group of people and be transformed and see your life today and in the future transformed through uh, actually taking steps of obedience to what the Holy Spirit reveals in a coaching session is really powerful, not just for the leader, but then for the organizations that they lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've experienced that a lot in my history, even just things with my marriage, like you were sharing, and then how that just transformed the churches or the communities that I was leading when I thought I was like not focusing on those things anymore. I was just focusing on my marriage, yet all the other things became so mm-hmm. vibrant and healthy. And I did become much more confident and bold and all really good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. One other piece that I was thinking of here in terms of the coaching conversation is, you know, when you're trying to lead a organization that's decentralized, there's a handful of tools that you have to learn to access Mm -hmm. in terms of the ongoing work of a leader. 
right now I'm working on a series of recordings for our, our premium subscribers, I think. It's about the work of a leader. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Todd Ingstrom about this and he said it really well. He said, you know, the work of a leader is vision and strategy and tactics. He said, but then there's the ongoing work of the leader. And the ongoing work of the leader has some ongoing pieces to it, like discovering of gifts and releasing Mm -hmm. those, assessment, care, training, and then, of course, there's coaching. So coaching is one of a handful of things we have to learn to do in an ongoing way. You know, 1 John 4 tells us that the reason that we love is because we were first loved. So there's a gospel principle here that we can't do something that wasn't done to us. I think leadership-wise, we will not be able to coach people well unless we have been coached by somebody who's trained and skilled. And so that's another reason I think these are, these cohorts are really important is, is it helps people mm-hmm. get an experience that they're able to reproduce. Our first year of, of cohort coaches went through this and a lot of them went away basically saying, wow, the way I lead mm-hmm. is different now because I've learned what it's like to actually be listened mm-hmm. to. And the result is that now I'm actually listening to my other leaders and they're actually coming to their own convictions and they're doing things that I would have never thought up. But I have to agree and say, that sounds like something the Holy Spirit would do. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. I think it's Galatians 6 that talks about, you know, all these uh, fruits of of the Spirit. And what Paul says is against such things, there is no law. Hmm. And I think that what we have to realize is when we can really help people learn to depend on the Spirit, they're going to come up with all kinds of things that we would have never come up with, but there's no law against mm-hmm. that. We need to learn to listen to and affirm that and say, is, is that in line with what the Spirit would do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's release it. Let's let it go. And that's how we get it movement. So, yeah, I, I think that this is a valuable piece at, at getting at that. And it's been fun to be able to do this with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me, David. Thanks for all this insight and for the coaching. I just got a huge value here. You owe me 500 bucks. Now, now. I owe you 500 bucks. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> and, uh, yeah, and for all you listeners out there, I, I uh, pray that even just observing you were, yeah, that the Spirit's going to work within you too. Yeah, that you'll check out coaching and you'll continue to grow in that skill for the sake of the movement, but also that you'll be able to get plugged into some really good coaching. And and yeah, and that's going to do it for this episode of the, the Saturate Podcast. Thanks for, for joining us. And uh, we will be back together again real soon. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.